Goodman Radio Show. And here is the studio orchestra of the Spud Goodman Show, sartorially regaled in sequined jumpsuit and cantilevered pompadour, the world's only accordion-playing Elvis impersonator, Accordion Joe. Here comes the Spud Man, it goes down easy. Because to you who, the social outcast, yes, you who are rejected, he wants you, he needs you, he loves you. Here comes the Spud Man, it goes down easy. Here comes the Spud Man. It's the Spud Goodman Show. Let's get ready. Rumbo! And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings, and our Ola. I am Spud Goodman. Spud Goodman. And I will be your captain for the next 58 and a half or so minutes. It may be a bumpy flight, but I think you'll be okay with things at the end of this. Uh, you know, we don't have any free pretzels or a warm blanket to offer everyone during the show, so we'll just have to make up for it, you know, with providing you like a state-of-the-art radio episode. How about that? Can it be done? Well, you know, I don't honestly know right now. I guess time will tell. Just let me introduce our show's designated laugher now, my Aunt Dorothy. Uh, give us a decent chortle, if you would. Oh, well, all right. How's this? <laughs> well, uh, a spectacular turtle, Aunt Dorothy. was really good. Uh, really? Well, I might have been overly generous. You know, uh. I, I've gotten a bit of blowback from listeners. They feel I've been too critical of your laughing, so I'm, I'm trying to be more positive here. Uh, but, you know, I might have gone overboard my praise. Well, I thought it was pretty spectacular. And do I need to remind you once more, I am a volunteer designated laugher on this show? Okay, right, 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 right. Uh, okay, maybe not spectacular, but how about pretty darn good? Oh, all right. I'll accept that. Thank you. All right, no problem. Now I'm supposed to introduce our show's temporary permanent co-host, Gerald Holcomb. Okay, I just teed it up for you. Go ahead and take seven or eight seconds and just, just say hello to everyone. It's very simple. You can do this. R- right. Okay. I am Gerald Holcomb. And okay, I then. am. And I, I now need to basically get well, on with the but, show. Uh, but I, I was not given my allotted seven to eight seconds. You cut me off at like five seconds. That, that's not right. Okay, fine. Use your remaining three seconds. Really? All right. I am. And I just gave you an extra good faith second. The, now I uh, need to introduce our show's intern. He is allegedly, I say allegedly, the most popular person on this show, uh, though there are differing opinions on that title, okay? Uh, count me as a true skeptic. And Corn Pop was a bad dude. I'll just jump in here and say my popularity is verified by a highly respected listener survey. People can go to the station website to read it for themselves. Just accept it. I'm way more popular than you, Spud. It's kind of old news by now. Just move on. Oh, sweetie, just take the high road on this. Think happy thoughts. Remember, we're going out after the show for frozen yogurt. Oh, that's right. I forgot about our date night. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, I'll be the better person here and let it go. 
Good call. Good call, yo. So what I wanted to talk about is something that I, you well, know, it's but been before my... you bring up whatever stupid topic you're gonna bore us with, Spud, can I ask you how you, how long you've been using Tinder? A single friend of my mom asked her if you were a decent person. I guess well. she saw your profile on Tinder the other day. Do they let old people like you on that site? You dick! My mom's friend is younger than her. She's been engaged a bunch of times, but for some reason, right before her wedding day, guys have bailed on her. The last one was the day of the ceremony. I should say now that, Dorothy, don't be concerned about this kind of behavior for me. I'd never bail on you on her wedding day. I'm counting the days. Oh, honey, that thought never entered my mind, but thank you for making your position clear to everyone. Hey, I have never punked any woman by not showing up for my weddings. I've had three so far, and I've shown up for all of them. Then that's important. So did you get a waiver or something from Tinder to be on their site? Isn't it a place for hot young people? I was on it for a couple of weeks. Of course, that was before Dorothy and I started dating. Well, as far as I know, they, they don't have like an age cutoff. And, and to answer your question, yes, I did open a Tinder account recently, if you must know. It, it's been hard to meet any single women, and I, and I haven't had much luck at all at all the other sites. And I've tried them all over the years, let me tell you, when I've been single. Uh, I've heard of that Tinder website. Isn't that the place where people wife swap? There are all kinds of perversions. Yeah, a friend at church said it's right up that Caligula guy's alley and because he would have loved it. You know, yeah, just swipe up on your phone to the right and you'll be having group sex in minutes, correct? Yeah, yeah well, I th it's swipe right or left uh, uh, on the app. And, and if so, then, then I guess uh, Tinder would be the most popular website in the history of man if that was the case, okay? Yeah. That's that. I don't know where you heard <sighs> Tell that guy to get a, have a clue. No, it's just a dating website, one that's a bit less formal than like FarmersOnly.com. Man, that place did not work out well for me, and uh, and yeah, I totally struck out there. And also that HerpesFish.com or, or TallFriends.com. Uh, I tried the, both of them, uh, and I, with that last one, I, I guess Five Eleven didn't cut it with with tall women there. Yeah. <clears throat> Hey, uh, Spud, I sure hope you didn't catch herpes at that, that one place you said. Uh, you know, no, they it's... really should think about taking that word out of their website. It'd probably be a lot more popular. Uh... I don't think that friend of my mom swiped right on you. I heard her say that that women aren't attracted to men who wear baseball hats and carry around a spatula with them in their profile picture. That is messed up, yo. I don't carry a spatula around with me at all times, Chance. You're exaggerating, but, oh, you know, maybe I should have airbrushed the one I was holding in the pickout, though. I'm, yeah, I'll remember that the next time I do one. Well, right now, I need to play some music, okay? So let's lead it off with this song from the Seattle band Warning Danger, who has performed live on our show, and we're big fans of them. Here is Zombie War off their 2013 release, Keep Out. Set back behind a secret door What on earth did I 
is the Spud Goodman Show. This is the Spud Goodman Show. Hi, this is Gilbert Gottfried listening to the Spud Goodman Show. I don't know why you're listening, but uh, that's your problem and not mine. Spud. Yeah. Your first guest, Scott Kelly, is ready to go. You know, it's pretty neat that we have an astronaut on the show rather than, say, uh, an actor or singer. You know, we try to book interesting guests, and, and yeah, an astronaut sure qualifies for Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You, you know, Scott held the then record in 2015 for most days in space, 340. Wow. I, I think. So, yeah, this this guy's kind of different from most of the guests we book. He's the real deal as far as being fearless. And how unusual that both he and his twin brother, Mark, both became astronauts. But that's a pretty cool story. You, you know, when I was a kid growing up, I wanted to be either a cowboy or an astronaut. Mm. Oh, that is terrific. My dad told me being a cowboy was not realistic as we lived in an apartment with you know, no space for horses to graze. But yeah. I wouldn't give up my dream until I graduated from high school. In hindsight, I probably should have gone with being an astronaut. Yeah, you, you could never handle being cooped up in space for more than like 15 or 20 minutes before you started crying like a newborn baby. Yeah. I mean, you made the right call with the cowboy career option. But, but can I ask, have, have you ever gotten on a horse? Hell no, you haven't! No, no, I never have. But I, 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 I bet it's fun, though, huh? Yeah, right. Just put Scott through, please. Yeah, very well. Here he is. Welcome former astronaut and now author Scott Kelly to the show. Thank you very much for checking in with us. Well, thanks for having me, Spud. Yeah, you have a new book out, Ready for Launch, An Astronaut's Lesson for Success on Earth, uh, published by Random House and available everywhere books are sold. Scott, besides space travel, this book covers issues of everyday life for us Earthlings too, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not, it's not really designed for astronauts to read, although... I would be happy if my colleagues wanted to read it, but really, it's designed for uh, mostly a you know a younger target audience of high school or college, recent high school or college graduates. You know, people that are trying to uh, you know find their way in this world with lessons, uh, anecdotes that I've uh, experienced throughout my career and things that I learned along the way that I think were important to my own personal success. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but you have to be really smart to be an astronaut. Can I ask, what is the mathematical probability for twin brothers to be accepted into the NASA space program? Because it's a, a gazillion to one, or that's what kind of what comes after a trillion. Because your brother, Mark, who is a great American himself, now serving as a U.S. senator from Arizona, and you have to be the only twins ever in space, right? Yeah, that's, uh, that's true. You know, the... The odds of uh, becoming an astronaut are, are, are pretty low, but uh, the odds of someone becoming an astronaut if they don't try is zero. So uh, you definitely got to try. You got to be willing to take risk and willing to fail. That's one of the lessons in, in the book, I think, is the importance of uh, risk taking and, and failure. And, you know, the idea that my brother and I were able to do this uh together is a little bit far-fetched but uh, I think it shows you that that anything is possible if you if you prepare yourself and you just never ever give up 
Oh, okay. Um, well, you know, as most are aware, in 2015, you spent a, a then record 340 days in space. That's a long time to hang out anywhere without, like, cable TV or Taco Bell or, you know, stuff that we're used to in everyday life. What was the number one life lesson you learned having to go without? If, you know, you went without for so much for so long. Yeah, so, uh, you know, the hardest thing about being in space for a really long time, living in that very isolated, very sanitary, uh, confined environment is that you don't have your support system with their, you there, your friends, your family, mm-hmm. your other people, you're exposed to, uh, you know, over the course of the year, I saw 13 different people, uh, come and go. Um, you know, the work is, is tough and challenging, has serious complications. If you don't do it correctly, I mean, you could get killed pretty easily yeah um you know if you have not the right amount of attention to detail but all those things is what makes it so great you know when you do something really hard and then you're successful at it that's much better than the sense of satisfaction of that is so much better than when you succeed at something easier there's a quote in this book is that uh that i have it's actually on the back cover it says, you know, one thing I've learned is that only when you're willing to risk failure are you aiming high enough. It's sometimes better to fail at the extraordinary than to succeed at the ordinary. Okay. All right. Well, well said. Uh, well, Scott, off the record, do astronauts really drink Tang when they're thirsty? Because I'm curious, what are the available beverages you have up there? You know, I think Tang might still be a real product. So uh, NASA has a, a, a policy of not endorsing uh, commercial products. Mm-hmm. So uh, we don't have M&Ms. We have chocolate-covered candies. They have M&M written on them, but we're not supposed to call them M&Ms. And uh, mm-hmm. we have orange drink. Uh, but mostly I drank the water uh, because it was, uh, even though it was made from our urine, it was still pretty uh, pretty good water tasted pretty good and uh, a lot less sugar than in the in the tang yeah well could you smuggle in a six-pack of a tasty craft beer or even bud light i mean for like a special occasion during the you know while you're up there yeah that's uh, that's against the rules okay all right all right okay. plus it's carbonated carbonation doesn't go well in space with everything's floating uh, yeah, I wrote that down. Right. Well, you know, on a serious note, uh, I wanted to hit you with this. Uh, you know, current world events, you know, like the invasion of Ukraine, have greatly impacted the working relationship uh, between NASA and the Russian Federation. That you know, that, that supposed joke by I believe Dmitry Rogozin that was later dispelled. You know, that they would not take great care in the return of our astronauts from space uh, did lead people to question whether this working relationship has a future. What's your take? I think uh, I, I think there is a future in maintaining this partnership throughout the uh, the end of the space station program. I know the Russian uh, space agency, the people that I know that work there, all great people. They're professionals. They're uh, very talented. I think they're committed to it. I know NASA is as well. So um, yeah, I think we can maintain this partnership throughout the space program. Having said that, I mean. You know, you know, you never know what uh, what lines uh, Putin might cross here uh, to make it just untenable. I mean, some things are are much more important in space, like uh, you know, war crimes, genocide. Yes. So, um, but but I'm I'm hopeful 
that we can maintain it because it is our last connection to you know Russia uh, that we can do something peacefully and cooperatively so it does I do think it has value okay all right well you know we now have what I feel is a strange public private relationship with US space travel as, as far as rocket systems go and I, I'm not an expert but just from what I read in, in, in the past our, our various private you know defense contractors always assembled and supplied them to NASA but now it kind of seems like we're relying on the generosity of Elon Musk and you know guys like that and hitching a ride what's changed well, you know, um, SpaceX launching NASA astronauts is uh, not something that Elon did as, uh, you know, for free. Uh, he was very much uh, one of the partners that NASA had in this commercial crew program. NASA pays, paid SpaceX to develop that transportation system. Mm-hmm. Having said that, we're really fortunate to have him because he's very, very talented and he was able to do something that, uh, you know, the bureaucracy of NASA probably would have struggled with doing it at the time and the cost and be able to do it. Um, but also, I think what's important with guys like, why guys like him and Bezos and other people are important for human spaceflight is that NASA was never given the mandate to fly tourists into space. That's not something they were ever funded to do. It's not part of their mission. And when you have someone with that, those kind of means, and that kind of vision, it uh, is going to help us have uh, a space transportation system in the future that is just more accessible by many, many other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will be risky. It'll be expensive at first, but you know, like commercial aviation, that will some uh, someday come down and be safer. So I think it's a win for everybody. I think it's just great. Okay. All right. Super. Well, um, Scott, I found that you've not just explored the depths of space. You also undertook expeditions into the depths of the sea. Also, in 2002, I believe you spent many days deep under underwater to complete various experiments. So my question is, what's tougher on your body, deep space or deep water? Deep space, much, much tougher. Yeah, coming back from uh, living under the sea does not have any side effects like coming back after being in space for a long time. Okay. All right. Uh, a sp- a spud? Yes. Well, I- if I may jump in here, it's been my experience venturing into the deep end of the public swimming pool in our neighborhood. Uh, like like when I go underwater for a few seconds, you know, uh, maybe diving for spare change at the bottom of the pool. Uh, I find it really aggravates my sinuses when I climb out of the water. So it does take a toll on the body for sure. Uh, Scott, just give me a brief moment here. What he's saying? Just that there's a price to pay when someone goes underwater for periods of time. I I can only imagine what deep space does to the body. Oh, Gerald, holding your nose and going to the bottom of an eight-foot swimming pool for three or four seconds does not resemble how the body reacts being deep underwater for extended periods of time. That's a really poor comparison. Well, I I was just trying to confirm that going underwater does take a toll on someone. There's no need to get overly critical of my observation. Uh, Yeah, yeah. There is a need because you interrupted my interview of this amazing guest. Just zip it and let me finish it up. All right, I'm back. 
All right. Well, let me close with this. Uh, Scott Kelly, what has been your most memorable moment in your illustrious career? You've achieved so much. Can you identify one that you're most proud of? Um, well, I would say one, the, the thing I'm most proud of uh, from my spaceflight career is just spending that amount of time in space uh, uh, during one mission. Because, you know, six months in space is a long time, and my 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 last flight in space was more than twice my my first one so from a professional perspective i would just say it was basically a duration that i was able to to live and work productively in space okay all right well i know you got all sorts of stuff to do so let me say again you have a new book out ready for launch and astronauts lessons for success on earth published by random house and available everywhere books are sold thank you so very very much for coming on our show Well, thanks for having me, bud. There you have it, Mr. Scott Kelly. This is the Spud Goodman Show. I don't understand. Spud. Yes. Well, our show's resident sex therapist, Christine Gregson, is ready to go. Well, put her through. I I need to talk to her. Right, right, right. Here she is. All right, say hello to our show's resident sex therapist, Ms. Christine Gregson. Thanks for doing this. It is my pleasure, um, as I've found this segment to be quite enjoyable. Well, hey, you don't have to lie. I mean, our listeners <laughs> probably don't believe you, but still, for me, it's kind of nice to hear. Uh, so anyway, so what I wanted to run by you is that often awkward moment in sex, you know, right after things are you know done, so to speak, those moments of silence where no one or, or, or okay, me, knows what to say. I think the, the textbook description is post-coital banter. I think that's what they call it. Yes, I'm aware. It's what most people believe to be the most intimate part of lovemaking. When you feel the closest to one another. What are you asking specifically? I don't know. That moment has always created difficulty for me. You know, knowing what is the right thing to say and do. I'm not much for small talk, so I'm at a distinct disadvantage. Some guys are really good at this. Is is it really important to women? Well, I don't know if I can speak for all women, but I feel that most women would prefer a partner who is able to express their satisfaction and would display a connection to them uh-huh. before disengaging and getting on to whatever task they were focused on. The act of making one feel special is always appreciated by both sexes. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll say it, it does feel better when, when I'm not told to, to get lost, you know, right after. So, so I get it, but, um, you know, my problem is knowing what words to say. Words. I, I seem to mess that up all the time. Well, there's no mandatory words or actions to share with your partner. It's much more of an unspoken sense of communication. Oh, so it doesn't matter what I say afterwards? Then it must be, you know, how I'm saying it or something I'm doing. I, I tend to, to talk about stuff I know more about. You know, that's, that's kind of normal. So, you know, so dropping some references about the NBA or, or some record I want to buy shouldn't, like, piss off women. I, I, it, it always seems natural to me. Just, you know, it's regular conversation. Do you, do you think it's more about timing? Yes. Yes, I do. 
Okay. There's a time and a place to bring up the topic of your favorite bands or NBA team. I just don't feel right after lovemaking is the right moment. So what should I bring up? Uh, I'm not that well-versed in romantic words. I know I love you is, is always the go-to phrase, but it's tough to say with someone who, you know, who doesn't really like you back that much. Like, like when it's daylight outside and they don't ever text you. Mostly it's only on the weekends uh, when they come home from going out with their girlfriends. You know, I have found that to be a really common you know, thing with, with women that I've slept with over the years when I wasn't married. Yeah, none of my wives cared that much about that afterglow stage, so I, I got a free pass with them. I find it hard to believe that your wife or wives did not value intimacy after lovemaking. As I've said, it's what connects us. Even most animals are known to crave this. Well, not the dogs I've had over the years. They must have picked up some bad habits for me, I guess. Spud? Yes? Well, it's no wonder you've been married and divorced numerous times. Hey, it's as... three times, okay? Numerous gives the impression like seven or eight times. All, all right. Wait, what? Three? Three times? Yes. Okay, well... Trying to say is, you don't have a romantic bone in your body. Romance is the key to a healthy and happy relationship. And of course, with love making, this is so important. And I'm taking a risk here and saying this out loud on the air. The most special thing in those intimate moments after the actual act of love making is spooning. What? You know, my wife, Rachel, and I will spoon for, for, at times, an hour or two. We will share our day and what's going on with the kids. Maybe some, uh, I don't know, basic financial stuff like bills due. And, and that's stuff. why I have never spooned in my life. First of oh. all, I can't lay still long enough to do that. Uh, and also... I myself do not enjoy sharing that kind of information, you know, while I'm naked. It's just not fun. A very, it makes me very uncomfortable. Yeah, well, Spud, lovemaking in a marriage is not supposed to be fun. My gosh, you are so misinformed. Well, maybe so, but it works for me. Uh, now let me get back to Christine. I have returned, and sorry about that. Spud, I really believe you could greatly benefit from exploring your difficulties with intimacy. Really? But not here on this radio show. It would be best to do so in a private session. Well, would I have to fill out some of those long questionnaires? As I hate doing that at the doctor's office. That's why I haven't gotten a physical exam in like 10 to 12 years. I don't know how long it's been. They ask everything. Stuff that I feel is a bit too personal. I mean, they never have a male doctor anymore who, who does the exams. It's, it's always a, a female nurse practitioner, I think that's what they call them, who, who, who do the physicals. And there are some things that are too embarrassing to tell them, you know? But you're always sharing the most private elements of your sex lives with me here on this radio show. You never seem shy or uncomfortable about discussing topics that many people would find way too revealing. Yeah, but... I can say this stuff to you, you know, without being in the same room together. It just seems safer. That would explain why you've chosen to not pursue private sessions at my office. Well, maybe, yeah. I mean, you're really easy to talk to over the phone, but I don't know how it would be if, if I was laying on a couch spilling my deepest, darkest secrets, you know? Well, my clients don't lay on a couch during our sessions, uh -huh. but I do have a couple of comfortable chairs. You mean people only lay on couches with, with their shrinks in the movies and on TV? Really? 
I'm not a shrink, as you say. I'm a sex and behavioral therapist, and I have no idea if there are some therapists who would offer couches to lay down on while in session. I can ask around, though. Nah, let's just keep our thing to us uh, on the show for now. You know, it it seems to be working for me, and I I hope it's helping others who are listening right now. Very well. I should be going, but in case you change your mind, you have my contact information. Goodbye. Um, hey, you know, I I really need to tell her next time uh, to wait until the talk show host hangs up. I mean, that's the way it's supposed to go. It's the natural order of things. Yeah, well, whatever. Uh, We'll be back. Spud's not going anywhere, and neither should you. The Spud Goodman Radio Show returns in just a moment. We are down north, baby. We on the Spud Goodman Show. And we all scared of robots, baby. (laughs) Woo! They come to get our jobs. Oh! Can't work. You don't eat. If I can't work, I can't eat. We now return to more action-packed thrills and excitement on the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Say, Spud. My mom just texted me and said her friend might reconsider and swipe right on your profile if you reposted a picture of you without a baseball hat on. It's a sticking point for her. Well, let me see a pic of her before I go public with full-on head nudity. I only take my hat off with those I'm intimate with, okay? And and only then in certain situations, like in hot tubs or saunas. Yes! You you know, Spud, now, now that Chance has brought this up... I don't think in the seven years I've been co-host on this show that I have ever seen you without a baseball hat on. I, I mean, never. Oh, that would be temporary co-host of this show. Yeah, well, temporary permanent co-host. Well, anyway, uh, you know, I have been open on this show about the bond I have with my baseball caps, okay? I, I, I've freely shared that. On all the caps, by the way. Some people carry around a blanket or Lucky Charm to give them comfort. For me, it's always been my hats. So yeah, I keep one on most of the day. Showering and sleeping, I don't wear them that much. That's so hot. Uh, When you were young, or, or should I say until you were in high school, you did carry around your baby blanket, Spud. I don't think you took it to school with you, but around the house and at family gatherings, you always had it with you. Yeah, true, true. Uh, I will cop to that. I have that blanket uh, now shrink-wrapped up and is stored in my mini (laughs) storage unit. Yeah, it is. I don't think you should put anything about your old blanket in your Tinder profile. It would be a deal-breaker. Well, Chance, you must have something in your life that gives you great comfort. You know, for me, it's the good book. No Bible stories for you tonight. Well, I do just fine with my video games. Besides Dorothy now, and of course my parents over the years, Call of Duty, Fortnite, and Grand Theft Auto have always been there for me. You complete me. Hey, Aunt Dorothy, 
after the wedding, are you going to, like, limit the hours that Chance can play video games? Uh-uh. A, a responsible parent or, or wife it can't be afraid to be the bad cop, you know? Are, are, are you prepared to assume your responsibilities? I, I'm not saying you, you have to put Chance on restriction if you catch him, you know, playing video games uh, under the covers, you know, in bed at night, but you're... you're you're probably going to have to set some limits. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. No. You know what? My wife is a big believer in setting limits. Uh, the three kids and I have firm rules we have to follow each day. She runs a tight ship. Uh, yeah, I'm aware of that. Yeah. So, Spud, you didn't give me an answer if you'd be willing to be photographed without a hat. I mean, you are a grown man, so women your age might not be attracted to a really old-looking boy so much. I would rather not address that question at this time. You know, I, I think I'm just going to need to ponder this further. What the hell do you have to lose? You know, Spud, there's no need to be afraid of being seen without your hat on. I mean, I'm, it's never been in the studio, but I've seen you a few times without it. And you don't look that unattractive. Well, of course, as one who changed your diapers growing up and, and later in your 20s giving you a few perms, even though I should say I would never have gotten a perm myself as it destroys your hair. And for what? Well, well you just get a little more body to it. Perms are dumb, but after seeing you hatless for so many years, I don't think you have to be so afraid of women rejecting you for lacking in that department. My fear is based in truth. You know, starting in my junior year in high school, when my hairline first started to recede, that, that's what I'm talking about. Look, looking back, I was at my peak as a sophomore, you know, with, with the attractiveness thing, the attractiveness or whatever you want to call it thing. I, I guess puberty hit that summer. I, I was a late bloomer. <laughs> and the good thing about being a late bloomer is you have way better hair. You know, the, the bad thing is is having a seven-year-old girl's voice, you know, kind of like Jared Kushner. Uh, I remember my older sister saying I sounded like, you know, a little neighbor girl she would babysit, and that, that was very hurtful. <laughs> well, it's a good thing that your voice changed, as I know for sure that friend of my mom's wouldn't be attracted to someone who sounded like a seven-year-old girl. Oh, Bud, you are not exaggerating. You I did know, sound like a little girl until high school. Hey, Spud, I know we've discussed this many times over the years, uh, you know, your choice to participate in those adult dating sites. Well, I remain disappointed in you, but my offer still stands. And, and really, for anyone now listening, my church hosts a singles mingle night the third Saturday of each month. You don't even have to be a member of the Mormon church to attend. You just have to be single and willing to attend a short talk beforehand on how darn great life is at our church. There are so many fun things that are offered. We might be one of the few places anywhere in this country that still stages cakewalks. It's my favorite church event that we put on. They put out some amazing cakes for the winners. What's that chicken still doing out? Uh, dude, I think it's illegal to try and lure people on the radio to Not your luring. church. So zip it, please. Because right now I need to play some more music. Here is the Northwest band King Youngblood, uh, who have a new record coming out soon titled Big Thank. Here is Thread. <laughs>
This is the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Spud, your last guest, Lucy Boynton, is waiting to speak with you. Now, I know Lucy's not an astronaut. Is she an actress? Yes, she is. Lucy has been in some very cool stuff, like, say, Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, The Politician that was on Netflix, and a bunch of other projects. But right now she co-stars in a new BBC series with you, Laurie, you know, the guy from House. Oh, you see a lot of Lucy in magazines right now, as she is currently in a relationship with Rami Malek. Yeah, I know, but I'm steering clear of any relationship questions as she might come back at me and and ask who I'm dating, and that could be embarrassing, as the answer would be no one. If you know how I feel, why would you say that? Yeah, that'd probably be a good idea, Spud. No need opening up the topic of your own love life. That would be a depressing subject and probably put a damper on the interview. Yeah. Yeah, I got plenty of other stuff to bring up, so no worries. Just put Lucy through, please. You got it. And remember, I'm here ready to jump in if you need help in the interview. Here she is. Say hello to actress Lucy Boynton. Uh, We really appreciate you coming on our show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk to you. Yeah, you you have a new series now streaming on BritBox titled "Why Didn't They Ask I for Evans?" Yeah, um, so so it's written, directed, produced, and co-starring you, Laurie. Uh, that guy's got skills, huh? He really does. He really does. I think the amount, the number of hats he wears in this project really tells us that. But uh, but no, he's a he's a, a brilliant director, and it was just. You know, total privilege to work with him. All right, super. Uh, it, it also co-stars Will Poulter, correct? Yes, yeah. All right. Um, well, as it's an Agatha Christie story, can, can you give us the basics of the project without giving away too much? Because there's a whole lot of twists and turns, I'm, I'm suspecting. There are. So I shall attempt to describe it without revealing spoilers. Um, so it starts with Will Poulter's character, Bobby Jones, and he's working on a golf course. He stumbles upon a body of a dying man who utters his last words, why didn't they ask Evans? Meanwhile, in rolls Frankie Derwent back into town, his childhood friend, and she kind of cajoles him to go on this adventure to get to the bottom of the mystery of this man's dying words. And what starts as a kind of fun, you know, witty adventure takes a sharp turn and becomes quite high stakes and they face a lot of danger so it's it's both sides of the spectrum of a lot of good comedy and a lot of uh dark darkness and and fear all right uh could there be some dead bodies in this one uh, they may, they may, okay. they may. All right, all right, just ask, okay. Spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so BritBox, the, the streaming service of the BBC, ha- has quite the roster of programs for those who haven't checked it out. I mean, there, there, there's stuff besides shows about the British aristocracy. I mean, there are tons of others, uh, there are mass amounts of stuff, like from Luther to Mr. Bean. So, yeah, it's, I just wanted to tell everybody, it's, it's a very cool service. It really is. They have a really eclectic collection of shows. I've been surfing it all morning. So, yeah, highly recommend a subscription, guys. Yeah. So you have multiple projects in process that are pretty darn exciting. Um, so I guess you did you just complete filming of The Pale Blue Eye with Christian Bale? I did. I just finished that, which was kind of the other end of the spectrum from Why Didn't They Ask Kevin. So there's not a huge amount of comedy in that one. That's a really beautiful film directed by Scott Cooper, adapted from the book The Pale Blue Eye. 
Um, and yeah, with Christian Bale, Julian Anderson, and uh, a parade of really, really brilliant actors. So I was very excited to be a part of that one. Okay. Uh, I read also you, you, you're either working on or have completed the project. Is it Chevalier? Uh, is that how you pronounce it? Yes. All right. Yeah, Chevalier. Yeah, which is about Joseph Bologna, who is a contemporary of Mozart. And I play Marie Antoinette in that, which was, yeah, a very different experience from all of the above. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm thinking uh, that would be a challenging role as she got really bad PR in her time, you know? She really does. She doesn't have a great rap, but um, but it was a really interesting research process. I kind of had to scrap everything that I thought I knew about her and try and start with a clean slate. And I think in just attempting to do so, um, you know, it was an education in how much um, in how much the media, in a way, does inform our whole perspective of a person. And just in, cha- in challenging that, I think was was a healthy reminder to do so. But it was, yeah, it was such a great project. Excuse me, Spud, but I so agree that Marie Antoinette did get a very unfair rap in her time. You know, she's been painted as a rich, arrogant, and out-of-touch member of the upper class in France, but from what I've read, she was just misunderstood. Uh, Just one moment, Lucy, and I'll be right back. Dude, she was the Queen of France, for sure a member of the 1% back in the day, Sort of like a female Koch brother. I find it hard to feel sorry for what happened to her. Well, just because she didn't share a piece of cake with her subject, everybody gets all upset. You know, it's clear that they overreacted. Rich people have many things going on in their lives, and they're often distracted and deserve our compassion. Oh, Gerald, Marie Antoinette was a selfish queen who showed little regard for the people and spent obscene amounts of money from her country's treasury on personal items. She was no victim. Everyone knows how I feel about cake. It's one of God's greatest creations, especially the frosting. But she never actually had anything to do with cake, okay? That was just a saying someone came up with later. You know, that let them eat cake line? That was just made up. Well, whether she shared cake with her subjects or not, I just feel Marie Antoinette got a raw deal in history. A very misunderstood queen. Oh, good to know. Just another super rich person who you make excuses for. I know you aspire to be a billionaire or something one day, but that club is filled with douchebags. Let's have a toast for the douchebags. Be careful what you wish for. Now let me get back to Lucy. All right, I have returned. Have you begun work on playing uh, Marianne Faithful in that uh, in, in in the the film that I don't know if you're shooting it or or planning to or. Yeah, we haven't started that yet. We kind of, we got knocked off our time frame by the pandemic, but we're, we're using that time to kind of take, pull it apart and put it back together again in a way that we, you know, really feel like so obsessed. I'm still very, very excited about that one. Yeah, I mean, she's led an interesting life. I, yeah, I'm looking forward to it myself. Um, so, Lucy, you were born in New York, but raised in London. You know, I know you've been asked this a ton of times, but do, do, you, do you consider yourself a Brit or an American? More of a Brit because I spent more of my formative years there, so I've got all the traits of uh, of an awkward Brit. But I do feel like I'm coming home when I come back to New York, so I'm really, really glad to have that dual nationality. Um, it's a privilege to feel like New York is any part of your home. Mm-hmm. Well, I was, I was just curious, though. Do, do you get to vote in both countries? Because that would be kind of cool. 
Um, I believe I, that has changed, but uh, but yeah, I, I, I wish that was the case. All right, just asking, just curious. Um, so you appeared in an episode of the second season of, of Modern Love, Strangers on a Dublin Train, uh, along with Kit Harrington. Now it, it was during it was stage or it was to be during the lockdown, the pandemic. Um, so here's my here's my question. I have to be the least romantic person in the world, but I will admit publicly that that episode got me. I, I was really rooting for him to meet up with your character. I mean, I'm not a fan of sappy, happy endings, but damn, am I the only person who wanted a freaking happy ending? Have people come up to you and talked to you about that? Everyone has given me that feedback, and I love it. I love that it left people wanting more, and I think the fact that you're not a romantic, and yet you are really rooting for this couple, is the art of John Carney. Um, it was such a joy to reunite with him. We did Sing Street together uh, quite a while back, and he's just the master at that, I think, of creating a, a feeling of, you know, such romance and inspiration, and it's never in any kind of cheesy or chintzy way. It's always... So rooted in reality and you know humanity. So, yeah, he's definitely the king of that. Yeah, I think based on based on a true story, I had read that possibly they might have kind of had a little contact later. But anyway, I, I thought it was handled well. It was, but I, but yeah, yeah, they they did leave you wanting more. So, okay, well. Uh, let me let me wrap with this because uh, uh, you know outside the industry, I was just curious. Do you have any interests besides you know in the entertainment industry, uh, just for fun? Is there anything any interesting hobbies? And if not, you can make something up. I wish I kind of this has been so all consuming and in a way that I absolutely love. So so much of it is is geared to that. But um, but just reading has always been a massive passion of mine. So I'm trying to kind of coagulate the two and 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 adapt books uh, for work. But, yeah, work is kind of everything right now. Is that a boring thing to say? No, because it sounds like you got a hell of a lot of projects going on. You're juggling them, so <laughs> I don't know how you do it, but all right. Well, I, I, you got stuff to do, so I'm going to let you go. But uh, let me say again that your new BritBox series, Why Didn't They Ask for Evans, is now available to stream. Um, thank you. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. Thank you so much for your time. It was so great to talk to you. Thank you. Ms. Lucy Boynton. Peanut butter. There are not many things I love more than peanut butter. When I get up in the morning and grab a spoon, my heart is all a flutter. Drugs and counseling are nice, but what almost always snaps me out of a funk is this amazing creation. I should add, though, I totally hate Nutella. It's gross. But, as you know, we're not close in any fashion. Pretty much, we don't like each other, but I do feel sorry for you, as I'm now experiencing true love with my lovely fiancé, Dorothy, and you're truly alone without any romance in your life. It is very sad, so I was thinking, as I said before that friend of my mom is not into you, but would you want me to look out for other older women I come into contact with? 
Like when I visit my grandmother at her nursing home, most of the people there are female. Your odds wouldn't be that bad. I might be able to hook you up. What the hell, yo? How old do you think I am? No, I will not be cruising your grandmother's nursing home for dates. Yeah, I'm trying out Tinder now, but I'm not desperate. Oh, Spud, I have been with Chance to visit his grandmother at her facility, and I don't think you would hit it off with anyone there. Sorry, honey. I know your intentions were good, but I know the type of woman that Spud is attracted to. I was just trying to help out here. If Spud is going to be that picky, then I guess he'll just die alone someday. These guys, they make millions of dollars. They're smart as hell. Chance, as everyone knows, I have tried on so many occasions myself to assist Spud to prevent just that. I guess when his time comes, he'll have a lot of animals around him. (laughs) Yes, I will. My pets will never leave me for some dude with better hair or a boat. Hello, I'm Mr. Red. Uh, Spud, I'm being told by Trevor that we have a caller holding to speak with you, and it sounds like it's a woman. Do you want to take it? Uh, Is she single? But, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I'll find out, I guess. Just put her through. Caller, you're on the air. Is this the guy who won't take off his hat or baseball cap? Uh, Okay, yeah, that's me. Fine, I plead guilty. I was sort of listening to this show as I left it on after the other show I was listening to anyway. Okay, all right. I have been on Tinder for the last year or so, and... I know any guy who has a hat on in his pick has hair issues. Yeah. Like, not much, if any, left. Well, yeah, hey, caller, there are more important things than physical looks. It's what's inside that counts. I don't understand. You know, some men are just not blessed with great hair. I myself have been given this gift, and I've been told my hair is my best attribute. Your hair is nothing special, Gerald. I said, your hair looks stupid. Yeah, Gerald. It seems to be thinning a bit on top. Well... Don't be so cocky. Now, I am not saying most women over 30 put a major emphasis on a man's hair. Yeah. But if you couple that with a few too many pounds and maybe being a Trump supporter too, well, it's a tough sell. I'm just being honest. Yeah, okay. Well, no worries about me with that that mega supporter tag, but... you know, I may not be at the same weight I was in my early 20s, you know. I, I, I've been told by my doctor I could lose a few pounds. Can I ask if a guy gets any points for having a decent sense of humor? That used to count for something. Yes! Yeah, if a guy is basically bald and overweight, but has a great personality, he has a shot. Okay. But like I said, right. it won't be easy for him. Yeah. As a woman, you really have so many options. As men outnumber women at these dating sites, from what I've seen. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I read guys outnumber females two to one on Tinder, but it's tough on any site for a non-hot guy whose name is not Jeff Bezos to find a date. Hell no, you can't! Caller, what I'm hearing from you is women play this online dating game just like men do then, huh? Looks are everything? So... So what I'm hearing is I have to do some major airbrushing with my profile pic if I want to get any response. And, you know, maybe also beef up my job status a bit. You know, like in my case, being just a radio talk show host at my age is probably not going to cut it. Uh, So so I have to maybe embellish it a bit, Uh, like putting down I own a part of the radio station I'm on and maybe toss in that I own a couple jet skis, too. (laughs) 
Well, why didn't you say so? Spud, lying is not something you should do to get involved because ultimately you're going to have to answer to God for your lack of fidelity and to the truth on those dating sites. Well, I get it why Spud asked to lie to get a date. He's doing what he has to, but I don't think it's going to help that much because if he ever does get lucky and a woman is willing to go out with him, you know, after a few minutes of conversation, she's going to text a girlfriend to call her saying her house or apartment is on fire and she has to go home immediately. And it only makes common sense. Honestly, if I were you, your name is Spud, right? Yeah, that's my name, Spud I Goodman. Think, yes, I, I'm the host, yeah. I think I would just be as honest as you can be as far as your looks and career situation. Most women who have tried online dating sites are wise to the dishonesty most men try to get yeah. away with. I've re- I heard that, yeah. I, I, yeah, you're not the first person that said that. Maybe I'm a little more cynical than some women, but I am a firm believer in verifying everything before ever going on an actual date. Everything? I often will do a records and background check on the internet. It costs a bit, but worth every penny. Courtney, Chloe. Okay, uh, you know, I- I'm thinking of bailing this whole tinder thing i might as well bail so it just doesn't seem worth it to me Uh, i could probably do better at the dog park now that i think about it i have to go but knowing what i do of you now spud i would say that's probably a wise move okay bye um she's gone right all right man that was a depressing call i gotta say Uh, it feels like i aged many decades during it uh so much for me feeling like i'm still 25 or so not a joke well, as they say, it is what it is, Spud. Yeah, not much you can do about being shunned at your age. Yeah, I guess not. Anyway, I gotta end this thing now. I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be, and I mean that. God bless and ciao. Bye-bye. The Spud Goodman Show was written and directed by Spud Goodman, executive producer Lori Madsen. Produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions. Engineered by Trevor Jastad and recorded at the facilities of NWCZ Radio. Associate producer TJ Pites. Video director Jason W. Young of Random Whispers Studios. Production assistants Brian Martin and Chance Morrison. Original music by Mike Spots and Tom Harmon. On-air talent Rob McGee, David Deere, Pam McGee, and Tom Nolan. Copyright 2022 Spud Goodman Productions. David Brenneman speaking.